0: Welcome to episode 171 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded on Sunday, 8th of October, 2017. The
1: Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to JensenUSA.com slash The Spokesman. And now, for a limited time, new customers to Jensen USA who are referred by The Spokesman get 10% off one item. Simply enter The Spokesman, no spaces, at checkout. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at thefredcast.com. I'm the host and producer of The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and other information, simply go to our website at the hyphen spokesman.com and
0: now here are the spokesmen. this is the spokesman cycling roundtable podcast with me carlton reed of BiteBiz.com. and today i'm joined by two regulars first off jim moss who in fact hasn't been that regular recently jim what have you been up to
2: uh, i've been traveling the fall uh, late summer fall is a busy time of year um, and there was the outdoor retailer trade show. There was a brand new paddle sports retailer, uh, trade show, which could be quite exciting. Um, and then there was Interbike. And between all those, I was doing a little public speaking and, uh, I started teaching at Colorado mountain college in the scary ops program that I uh, teach in and just you know, fall craziness.
0: Public so, speaking uh, on what? What were you, what were you publicly speaking about? Uh, why people sue.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I know that sounds funny but everyone believes people sue for money and they uh-huh. don't money is what you get when you file a lawsuit people sue because they want answers or they have, they are angry it's it's lawsuits are emotional they're not money uh but money is the only thing you get um mm, good point it, it, I, I can go on for an hour and 20 minutes and send somebody a bill um, but it's, it's quite interesting. How many slides is the PowerPoint? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had clients. Well, my clients have had 17 fatalities so far in the last 15 years. We've had one lawsuit. Um, and we've not paid any other claims. Um, when I worked at a ski area, I had, uh, three fatalities, three quads, one paraplegic and 7,000 medical evacuations. And I wrote one check for a hundred bucks to a little girl hurt on a tubing hill, because you deal with them. If you deal with them, if you answer their questions, you deal with the emotional issues, you can avoid litigation.
0: So you're giving the game away to people who are maybe new to the show, that you're a legal person. You're a real, a real high flyer.
2: You know, I'll, I never say anything nasty about you. <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> yes, I was, I was called a
3: professional. Wasn't that professional courtesy?
2: Yeah, right. Well, uh, I always tell people if they're going to introduce me as a lawyer, they should We also say at least I'm a troll. <laughs> okay. You know, sort of balance it out.
0: Well, and the other person you heard there was Richard Wittenberg. Hi there, Richard. Hello, Carlton. You're, you're Hello, becoming kid. a regular now. That's cool. Well, yeah, because I'm
3: eating more fiber. <laughs> 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 See,
0: I, I never yeah, know. Here. The idioms that I use, I never know whether they will come across to the different audiences for this show, whether they will come across the same way. So when I said y- you've been regular recently to Jim, I, I didn't know how much of that would come across as it would mean the same in, in the U S as to the, to the UK, but clearly I was wrong. So.
3: Or you just have okay. to die with some sort of a uh, <laughs> retarded sense of sense of humor or something like that. As my wife will clearly attest to after 20 years of putting up with my bad sense of humor.
0: Oh, we also talk crap as well. So I think we can yeah. say that, can yeah. Okay, so let's get into today's show. Uh, that, that is the guest who will be on the show today. And we're going to be talking, uh, as always, we we discuss these things beforehand and we have the show notes. So we've got that to, to refer to. So I'd like to start with something that's not incredibly topical, but it will become topical as we talk about the rest of the, the, the topics in in the show. And this is introduced by by richard he wants to do a film review uh or certainly recommend a film uh, so richard what, what exactly is the film you want to talk about
3: so there's this uh, great little um film that uh, netflix in the u.s sponsored and i believe you mentioned that rotten tomatoes is no.
0: that a uk thing no, Rotten Tomatoes is tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes is uh, an American thing. That's like the world's uh, preeminent film review site. So if you get, I mean, it got 9.1 uh, on there. No. That's, that's almost unheard of for a film to get no. that many points. So it must be a, a cracking film.
3: So, yeah, the, the whole premise is um, the, the uh, producer director of the film is an avid master cyclist. And he does Outroute um, one year and scores, I believe, in the top 10. And he wants to go back and, you know, wants to do better. And so he, for an article, because he's also a journalist, he decides that what if he systematically dopes to see how much he can actually improve? And he gets tied up um, with certain people who start suggesting things to him and then gets right in the middle of the whole Russian uh doping scandals um and the whole systematic doping by uh, russian sports and it it just kind of completely blows up into this huge multinational affair and i i, I think it's just what it says so much about is i think if it's too good to be true it probably is meaning if one uh country or one athlete or one group of athletes goes from being sort of average to being much more than uh, than average and much above average, without seemingly having a reason for it um, that maybe there is um, circumstantially you can sort of put those two together and then that eventually you know these things it's very hard to keep them a secret you know and and it and it goes to you know I think we've seen that you know with Lance and the whole doping scenario that goes on there you know it does eventually get washed out so um, you now, know can there, somebody cheat and not get found out there, So
0: there is not. a there is a clear cycling element to it because the guy oh absolutely is cycling 100%. but it's it's very much it says it in there that it's not not about cycling this is about all sports and pretty much every sport is implicated in in this potentially
3: absolutely absolutely and and it's really just about um how the, the the Russians had so perfected the art and, and most effectively had said, look, if you can dope, as long as you follow a protocol, and if you follow this protocol, we can get you on, we can get you off and you won't blow positive.
0: Hmm. The film's also, it's an espionage story as well. its It's not just about doping. It's 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 the whole it's it's geopolitical. It's, it it really Absolutely. is meshes with Putin. With uh, I mean, at one point the, the 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 Russian protagonist is is asked, and a lot of the questions are yes no ones, which was is very revealing. Uh, but one the, the Russian protagonist, uh, the, the guy who's the, the the guy who's brought across to the US and he, he escapes from 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 Putin, he does say at one point that. Uh, this is much more important than just sport this transcends sport because there's potential that Putin was actually emboldened to go into Ukraine to invade to to, to go into yeah. Ukraine yeah. by the fact yeah. that so yeah. many athletes did well at, at, at Sochi and that's quite frightening that's not you know this is this, this this goes away from just you know these athletes are you know making a bit of cash here into this becomes global
3: you know, I, when I was reading the, watching the movie, I, I thought of, I, I sort of, this was starting to heat up. And then he decided that he would go attack another country to take the heat off of everything that was going on with, with the doping scandal. But it might've been the other way around as, as you just, um, related that, you know, that the athletes were doing well. And so therefore he felt emboldened to, to go into the Ukraine. But, uh, Again, I watch most of my movies on airplanes going places, so I only catch probably about seventy-five or eighty-five <laughs> percent of it. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I just—it's you know, it, it for for somebody who loves the sport of uh, professional cycling and you know sports in general, and how is it shaking out that anybody who has an exceptional result is automatically guilty of doping or at least is suspected of it at this point mm. and, and how and if are we ever going to be able to, to get clean of this in any professional sport, but professional cycling, especially. And I think it's, you know, there are different attitudes in different places in the world. Um, you know, clearly in, uh, very cycling centric countries, people have been doping since cycling began.
0: Absolutely. Everybody was
3: always looking for, uh, you know an an, an advantage from, legal or from otherwise
0: choppy warburton on in the 1890s yes this is absolutely i mean i think cycling was was probably one of the first to perfect this and and kept on perfecting why it why right was that ah uh, money i mean in the 1890s and, and the whole reason why oh yeah that's right yeah company cycle companies sponsored professional cycle racing was because it built their brand um, and it made them money. So because money was involved in cycling from very early times, uh, right from the start of, of professional cycling, money was involved, then that's when people doped because you could earn more money from it. And back then it was much more explicit. In, in fact, it wasn't unusual to be doped up on, on all these different products. That was just perfectly normal. It was only right. in the last you know, 30, 40 years where yeah. it has become hidden. And we've had to discover it. Jim, have you have you seen this film, Icarus? No, I've I've seen
2: uh, a lot of the trailers for it, and I've read an awful lot about it. Uh, I haven't taken any long flights recently, so I've not
0: <laughs> <done> <laughs> all that it. travel you're talking about was in your car.
2: Yeah, well, no, no, it was just they were all two hour flights, and you know, oh,
0: okay, hour, okay, minutes, of,
2: you know, uh, viewing. So you don't
0: get a you don't get a movie on those film on those on those no, flights. Okay. No, in
2: fact, you're, nowadays you're lucky if you get peanuts. So.
0: But you could have uh, an iPad, Jim. You could ha- you could be taking your own movie on these flights. Uh, I do, but man, they have nothing to do with
2: cycling.
3: Let me tell you. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: well, this yeah, is a I mean, nine-point. Yeah, dare, dare we ask him what they are about?
0: <laughs> the
3: cartoons. It's a family.
0: It's a family cartoons. show. <laughs>
3: it's cartoons. It's just you know, uh, just catching up on all my
2: cartoons. That's it. Okay.
0: So. Well, that's a recommendation from Richard anyway to to watch Icarus. Uh, and if it has had a nine point one on on Rotten Tomatoes, then that is absolutely something that uh, is getting plaudits from from away from from professional sport. Um, okay, but let's stick to doping if, uh, if if we have to, and and we kind of do have to because this is a, a, a topical discussion. And this broke uh, just recently: motor doping again. So this is the the, the second, third confirmed case. So this French guy and all the interviews I've seen since the story broke is, is pretty much the guys admitting it. So I don't think we can say allegedly anymore. Uh, we have somebody who has a, uh, some, a, good, a run of good results, in fact, winning races. He's a 43-year-old uh, French guy who hadn't won before. He starts winning and he's discovered to have a little bit of mechanical help. I think it's a Vivax uh, motor assist, isn't it? I think this is the device so he's using. It Certainly
3: looks that way from the from the uh, the pictures and the way he had on the battery. Yeah, uh, from his water bottle in through the seat tube.
0: So it's it's this is existing technology. You can buy this uh, quite openly and, and 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 equip your road bike with this kind of stuff anyway. So we're not talking, you know, ultra clever. We haven't quite found it. The wheels that are meant to be. Um, electrically assisted. This is this is just old school stuff.
3: So, yeah. Jim, have you... I mean, a Vax motor you can you can buy, and as long as your seat tube is thirty eight point six, you can and and you've got a, a, a you know a, the ability to measure accurately. You can drop down the seat tube, take a couple of bolts from either side, make sure it's nice and lined up, bolt it into your crank, and off you go. An instant two hundred and fifty watts of pure bliss.
0: And it's for his back injury, apparently. That's what it was for. It wasn't to win races, he said. It was just because he had a, a back injury and he just wanted to, to level the playing field.
3: Okay. Can, can we look? Is, is that the same thing for, you know, uh, leveling the playing field for
0: uh, being old?
3: Oh, so I win With a 20-something-year-old?
0: <laughs> well, the way he was justifying it to himself would suggest that, yeah, he would try that too. It was kind of complete self-justification. So Jim, do you think this is more widespread or is there, are these uh, like the Belgian woman who was caught, you know, like a year and a half ago in the cyclocross race, are these just outliers or, or do we think this is happening and we're just not catching them yet?
2: Uh, I, I'm, the, the, the desire to win makes you do stupid things. Um, I mean, I've I've seen it all over in every sport, you know. I mean, starting out with mountain climbing, and you would think that there would be no desire to win there, but look at the bodies littering some of these mountains, and you realize the win is getting to the summit, no matter what the cost of whether or not you get back down. Uh, in my world, you know, former litigator, the desire to win did things that uh, other litigators did had done that I was just flabbergasted with that I personally couldn't live with if I tried. Um, and so it's, it's just stupid. Um, but I, I personally, and this is going to seem a little odd, but I see a difference between putting your body through uh, a shortened lifestyle or a, a deadly lifestyle versus um, getting a little bit more of a cyst because, well, I mean, the excuse is so bogus, a back injury mm. crap. I, I can put a six horsepower Chevy engine in a bike based on the number of injuries I got in that theory um <laughs> you know and, and and riding electric bikes at, at inner bike since there's nothing else to ride um, you <laughs> you <laughs> we'll you get
3: on to bike. that <laughs> it should have been electric bike not inner <laughs>
2: oh yeah really yeah. yeah I mean it's pretty bad by 11 o'clock at demo day one you're done so um, stick, to man, the nice. stick to the script stick to the script. they were were super nice you know I went uphill Mm. with a grin on my face Uh, a a crap eating grin but definitely a grin and I got a couple of them off the ground I got a couple of them airborne you know which you wouldn't really expect but man I pound down on that front fork and hit the bump right and it's amazing what I can do Um, in fact both the bikes manufacturers said though that was amazing not quite that same tone of voice um so, yeah, I think it's happening all the time and, and uh, it's just sad. I mean, it's just, you know, but but at the same time, I sort of just don't care anymore.
0: Do you think and people are that getting Strava times, you know, Strava King of the Mountains and Queen of the Mountains with, with this equipment and then happily posting to Strava and and thinking they've earned it?
3: And, and, and what's the difference between that and getting people to motor pace them to Strava KOMs and everything mm. else? You know, it's like it, it it it's just this level of insanity to chasing these, you know, Strava hunting. It's It's <laughs> pretty soon you're going to have to go, OK, well, what was the wind direction that day? And was there anybody else on the ride with them? Was it assisted, unassisted? It's mm. like, guys, just do it for your own benefit, right? You can use, you know, any of these things internally or externally, right? You mm-hmm. can say, I'm going to beat everybody else or, you know what, I'm just going to improve myself every day and I'm going to get that much better. And, you know, I'm going to live with myself. Just like Jim said, you know, he's not willing to go certain places as a litigator um, to win. And I and, and think it's the same thing with Strava. It's the same thing with cycling. It's you know, especially amateur cycling, it's like, what are you getting? I mean, masters racers doping, for what, folks?
0: Five hundred euros. I think that's what his winnings were. So there was some cash there, but of course, it, it would have cost fifteen hundred euros to buy the equipment, probably.
3: It wasn't a good return on that. <laughs> no. no way, <laughs> no how. Now, I, I can tell you that, you know, personally, if if I had the opportunity to have, you know, a, a, a doped bike. Would I like to go on the A ride and be with them at the top of that one climb where I always get popped because I've got 15 seconds or 20 seconds of an extra 250 watts that I need in order to get there? Yeah, I'd like to have that. Would I Would I hide it from people that I was doing it? Mm. No. Would I benefit from the technology? Absolutely. And I think that's where... You know, th- these things that are cheating and racing can actually really help benefit the sport in general because it opens to more people to be able to go further and do things they couldn't do. Yeah, yeah that's, but that, really that's, like
0: that's Richard, that you're, you're stating the benefits of electric bikes there. This is different. Yeah. This is, he's, he's cheating. It's, it's fine if you obviously you're going to tell your ride buddies that that's what you're using. But-
2: but, but the United States Forest Service and, and parts of the Bureau of Land Management have determined that electric mountain bikes here in the United States are cheating.
0: Mm.
2: Not, not on any other reason. I mean, in the Forest Service, there's are some areas that are wilderness and, and uh, bikes in general are banned. And some areas that, that they say that it would be a, a violation of that, that ethic. But it's, it's just come down to the idea that the rangers in charge of those areas say it's cheating. Uh, and that's bullcrap. Um, I, you know why I would want an electric mountain bike? Cause on that last day of a three or four or five day ride, when you're going up 3000 foot, I don't have to push the bike the last mile. I mean, I, I have notes all over my Garmin records that says took bike for walk part of the day, which mm-hmm. means I didn't make it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I know certain rides I'm going for a walk with my bike more than I'm doing anything else sometimes. Um, is, is that cheating or is that just finally able to say, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to hide it from anybody. I don't care. Um, they see me that walk and they see me grinning. And if I'm grinning, it means I got an electric bike.
0: So, Jimmy, uh, you are you in the market for an electric bike? You've got an electric bike, mountain bike. Or what stage are you at?
2: No, I have not bought one. I've ridden a dozen or more now. Mm. But in all honesty, I am in the market, mm. but not for, for another reason. I have really fantastic bikes. No doubt about it. Um, between my connections and my job, I can do things like that. I am not riding any of them to the grocery store because when you get there, there's no place to lock it up. I'm not going to put, you know, a, a, a $10,000 bike leaned against some. Uh, well, nowadays, uh, stack of pumpkins while I go in and go shopping, uh, and and so. Consequently, I'm not riding a bike other than to go for a ride. it's It's Denver, Colorado. Um, you know an hour ride means you're going to have at least a, a five hundred foot of elevation gain or loss. and if you're coming back from the market full of groceries, that's difficult to do. But you know, I, I ran into a, a former uh, Cat one racer, done a few t- trips and tours in Europe, who said he loved this electric bike, and I was shocked. and he says, because I ride it where I used to drive, because I'm not taking mm. my good bikes out. And he did. He went to the grocery store on his electric bike. He still pedaled. He still was able to get there. he was still able to get home. And that's why I think it'd be work. It'd be wonderful.
0: See, I mean, we're, 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 uh, we're again, Jim, you're extolling the benefits, as Richard was a minute ago, of, of electric bikes, yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. is a, which is a worthy topic, and, and and we can revisit that. But we are we are discussing here. The fact that he's obscuring the fact that he's on an electric bike—that's the whole point. So we're yeah. we're talking about them. Is it cheating yeah, for oh him yeah, to do it? Cheating. Is it? Well, it is clearly.
3: There are rules and laws, and he's not. He, there are rules of the race, and he's cheating the rules. He's cheating.
0: Well, he knows because okay, he then legged then it. He, Strava, he kind of tried to get away.
2: But the discussion then went: Is Strava cheating? And generally, people think that's cheating. I, I'm not. I looked at Strava for one week, laughed, and got off. I don't allow anyone to see my times and courses on garmin or any other website because i think it's a joke first of all who would really want to look at my times you know everyone measures theirs in seconds i measure mine with a sand dial Mm. um (laughs) and and so we you know it keeps going from there i got better things to do than to see how fast you rode that Mm. i seriously have better things to do with my life um I can sit on the couch and drink a beer and have better things to do, so that's cheating in some people's world. In my world, I don't care. I seriously don't care what your kom time is for that. Okay, I let's, barely care what mine is unless it's just a little bit better than the last time.
0: Let, let's and move I on, have to but figure out what happened
2: or what I did right or wrong.
0: Jim, let let and, let let's move on, but not very far. In that, we'll stay in this kind of area. In that the, the guy who, who was accused... No. The guy who did... Don't have to use accused. The guy who did do this this uh, this motor doping in France was riding a Laplace. And all of the, the different um, the tweets that, that show him on his bike show that it's a, it's a Laplace. Now, Laplace isn't uh, one of the top five brands in, in... It's not in the top any number of brands. It's a, it's a Chinese open mould frame. So this almost brings up a case of well if you're willing to to buy something that isn't the potentially the real i am and we can discuss what is the real i am here then maybe you're more inclined to cheat anyway it it's open to discussion and maybe not in laplace's case because it's it is a an open mill frame it's not a a complete chinarello but if somebody's got a fake um uh, and, and it, it looks as though it's meant to be a Pinarello, but it's not, are they more likely to be cheaters? Because if they're buying a bike that's actually not the real thing, are they more likely to actually fit uh, a motor into that? So, so we're not going to... So uh, is
2: buying an, a frame rip-off from China cheating? It's dangerous. By saving money. So obviously cheating, if you spend more money, is bad. Can you cheat by saving money? And is that bad? Or do we have to all spend the same amount of money?
3: No, I, I, don't, that's not, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what we're saying is you know, if you cheat in sport or, and, and you're cheating your other competitors, are you cheating the people that spend all the time, money, and energy to engineer and develop A product that's safe and performs at a certain level are you cheating them when you buy a chinese knockoff that has just taken the external look um the external uh silhouette of a given frame and calling it the calling it the same thing well one of two ways one is just copying the design and calling it another name or being so bold as to actually use your brand on a frame that you didn't make—I mean, I got—I got, a, I got a, um, a couple of tweets this uh, this week um, showing me that you could buy a factor on Alibaba for six
0: hundred bucks. Richard, can I just Richard, can I just stop you and just say one thing on that one? Yeah. Does that not mean that factor has arrived? Because somebody's copying it. Sure, you. I mean,
3: sure, the greatest form of flattery is imitation. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is, but, you know, <laughs> y- y- you look at this and you, y- y- it inf- it's infuriating mm. because I know we own the factory. I know nobody's bootlegging these seconds or whatever over the fence to somebody. I know for a fact that somebody has opened up another set of molds, by taking the silhouette of our product and and starting to produce them and then send them out the back door
0: now let, let, so, let, let, let's not jump on to to jim too much even though before the show we called we both jumped on jim jim for the <laughs> for the benefit of our listeners can you explain why we jumped on you just just tell us what you originally you no no no. J- just, tell us what you, you originally tell, us, tell us what you originally am, said jim yeah. be serious Tell us what you originally said, and and why we jumped on you. So because that's that's a, a very common misconception, and that's why we jumped on you. But tell us what you said.
2: That there are two ways that that bikes are ripped off from the factory. One, uh, based on the America well, the, the manufacturer or, or the 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 name on the bike deciding that that bike frame didn't qualify and as it's taken out back to be destroyed it gets thrown over the fence or the factory running at night um and and you know after uh all the q a people or the quality control people have gone and making frames quickly at night to sell on the internet.
0: okay thank you now we jumped on you for that uh because as as embedded industry types we know that isn't true so i've written a twenty thousand word uh, long-form journalism on why that's not true but and richard i think i even interviewed you for that piece uh so 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 i'm not we don't want to jump on jim here because this is a common misconception but let's just jump on jim Uh, (laughs) and, (laughs) and and tell him why he's wrong richard why is he wrong because he's wrong <laughs> apart from that let's let's go deeper into why jim is wrong so 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 the the fact is um
3: th- there are a couple of things that are going on there, so almost all manufacturers, so this goes for a brand that starts with s and a brand that starts with t and a brand that starts with c and a brand that starts with p all go in brand is. T <laughs> uh, B and uh, they're, virtually everybody mm. is going to a third-party manufacturer uh, to have their frames made. And you know, the, the brands are controlling serial numbers that are going on bikes, so they know what's being made and not being made. And if you're XDS, who is a large frame manufacturer in southern China, or TTC – or fill in the names. Are you really gonna jeopardize mm-hmm. a multi-million dollar customer to bootleg a full a bunch of defective frame or, or second quality frames out the back door? Yes, sometimes if the manufacturers placed an order for the frames and then decided not to take them for whatever, the, the, the factory may, Find a way to recoup their money from them, but they're not going to jeopardize an ongoing relationship for that.
0: Yeah, they're not going to The big brands, the big brands are going to yeah. be putting those orders in and fulfilling those orders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So exactly. maybe it's like a a, a a very small run from one you know brand that hasn't been there for a long time, but the big guys, so the the ones that you mentioned there, they're not doing that. Correct.
3: And, and what, what even, let's just hypothetically say, hypothetically say that somebody, um, a brand, had rejected some frames as seconds and the factory wants to recoup their money so they start selling them on Alibaba. Why would somebody want to buy a second quality product? <laughs> I mean, you're going to go down a hill at 45, 50 miles an hour on something. Do you really, are you, do you not value your life that if a fork snaps and sends you to the pavement, you know, there's a reason people reject things it's because <laughs> they don't meet quality standards. Mm-hmm. So why would you get yourself involved? But I mean, I think we're getting a little off the topic. No, um, I,
2: think, I think that is the
3: topic. If
2: we're talking about cheating, then the issue becomes how much money versus how much my life is worth. And so I'm going to cheat by saving money and put my life at risk by buying a ripoff frame. Or I'm going to cheat by spending more money and put my life at risk by injecting something into my body that may kill me later. Right? It's it's, it's all money. And and if it's not – so those people who are not racing and buying frames that are ripped off are saying, I want to save money. And so greed is the component there. Um, and I want a bike that's just as good as the other guys I'm riding with and it's not going to have anyone's label on it or I hate everyone who's making bikes and I think they're ripping me off. Whatever it is, it's greed mm. versus, wait a second, the other one's greed too because I can win and I may get more money.
0: Yes, that's a nice way of, of rounding that through. It's, it boils down to the choppy warburton and stuff from, from the 1890s. It's money. When cash is involved, then then ethics go out of the window sometimes. But what, why, do,
3: why do people think, and, and, and I, I, maybe, Jim, you've worked in the legal profession, so you sort of see this side of people more than Ooh. me, perhaps. You know, why do people feel like they can get absolutely the same thing for one-tenth the price of what the other thing is? So, I mean, our factor frames retail for about $6,000
0: um amazon why would some costco mm-hmm. walmart mm-hmm. isn't that the answer it's just people have yes. been educated into you can buy cheap stuff
2: and we have a belief here in the united states that the government's going to take care of us mm. without understanding how the government actually works here in the united states well, I, I mean i if if, if you want proof of that look at our current anyway um You know, the government's going to take care of me. This product has got to meet all the other standards because it's being sold online. Somebody's checking all this stuff being sold online. You know that. Well, we believe we're going to be okay. Uh, It's just stupid.
0: So buying a knockoff frame is a libertarian thing to do because you're, you're saying we don't read the government here. I'm going to buy from China and not care about this stuff. I don't care if well, people wait, are checking but, this. But
3: I, but, I, but I think Jim's point, and, and I agree with him 100 percent, is that. Ooh, you
0: don't look, do that. Look, you're uh, encouraging.
3: Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, you know, we in America live in a in a very protected bubble. Right. Mm. And to Jim's point is. You know, somebody's taking care of us. There's, you know, a a governmental regulation for everything. And when thrown out into the wild west of the Internet, those those rules, laws and and don't necessarily apply. And, you know, we as consumers in America fundamentally believe what we're buying is safe and good and of quality. And, and that a manufacturer would never put something out there knowingly that was unsafe. Mm. Oh, God, I heard the snicker. So, um, you know, I can assure you that the rest of the world does not necessarily live up to that puritanical standard. And they'll ship whatever crop they make to whoever will give them money um, to, to make a sale. And, and it's buyer beware. This, this is so, I agree with you, this is so pervasive
2: in the United States that people want to ignore what the realities are right in front of their face. I'll give you an example. I have a friend who for decades has voted one way, believing that there's nothing that sh- should come to anybody from the government and that everyone should be able to buy insurance and everyone should be able to handle their own medical costs. And then his granddaughter was born with massive issues and all of a sudden he's sucking off the government like no tomorrow and for a year he held on to his beliefs because you know that's right and this is just an exception to the rule and then he ran into thousands of exceptions to the rule and mm-hmm. and we want to believe we want to believe that by saving two thousand four hundred dollars and, and plus shipping costs whatever it is we can buy a frame that's just as good because we, we'd rather be ignorant and have money in our pocket than knowledgeable, and you know do the right things. We, we, we seriously would rather be stupid in the United
3: States. I, I find, it, and, and Carlton, you can either agree or disagree because you're on the other side of the pond. I, in my experience of especially continental Europe, sure everybody wants to save money. Nobody wants to spend more than they have to, but there seems to be. More of an understanding that you that that you get what you pay for, and you're you're more willing to, uh, you know, in, invest in a better something and have one of them for a longer period of time than just turning and burning, you know, cheap crap all the time.
0: I I interviewed a lot of consumers for my my piece. I reached out to people and I said, you know, who's who's knowingly bought fake. So this wasn't just where you've accidentally bought a fake and you, okay, you should have known you were going to buy a fake if you were buying it that cheap, but I, I actually wanted to find people who knowingly bought fakes and I interviewed them and it and it was it was fascinating what what people were telling me. So some of them were saying some of that kind of stuff, Richard. Uh but then people just a lot of them were just thinking and this was all brands, not just the, the particular. Well, Folkley. When people buy Folklies, the the you know the fake Oakleys, uh, this one, uh, you know, they were quite happy to buy fake um, sunglasses because they assumed, and, and, and potentially quite rightly in this particular case, but uh, that they're being ripped off by you know ninety percent of a product is actually marketing. And it's only 10% of, of the, the thing is actually what, what it, it costs. So they, they're they quite willing to pay the 10%, but not the 90%. But then that boils down to, then it comes into other things, whether they would they would do exactly the same on buying a Chinarello. But as you mentioned before, Richard, there's a big difference between buying a fake pair of Oakleys, which if you crash in them, you're not going to lose your life, and then buying a fake Pinarello, where, yeah, the fork potentially could could crumple on you and you could be doing 50 miles an hour while you're doing this there's a bit of a difference but people seem to think both of these products are 90% marketing and they're not factoring in for for want of a better word uh the <laughs> fact that no it's not just marketing there's an awful lot of 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 product testing um taking stuff off the marketplace that hasn't come up to standard all of these different things which you you really have got to again not wanting to use this thing but factor in jim are you typing sorry we can hear you we can hear you so you've got to factor all these things in so it's not just marketing costs there are other extraneous costs that you, you really have got to take aware of do you, do you want to know what
3: one cost? of the most bur- burdensome costs as a small businessman in the bike industry is? Liability insurance. <laughs> if you knew what my freaking liability insurance bill mm. was on a monthly basis, I could hire 3 people for what I pay in liability insurance. Mm-hmm. Jim. Is that my fault? Yeah, yeah, you
0: got <laughs> to answer that one,
2: Jim. Come on. Hey, and I'll tell you why that's expensive, because insurance companies, which I used to work for and have worked for a, a lot of years, honestly refuse to look at why they're writing checks. Um, they believe that you're going to get sued one out of every so many times, and this is what it's going to cost you. And, and they're right. Um, here in the United States, a liability lawsuit dependent upon the state is not one of can we win. It's purely an issue of how much is the check going to be. Some states is different, especially in the cycling or outdoor world, uh, where there are defenses available, but very few. So, yeah, his. I have no doubt that I can guess pretty well what your your liability insurance costs are. Uh, probably fifteen to thirty thousand dollars a month. I'm a, just a rough guess without even asking you
3: how many numbers you sell. Uh, I'm not going to even answer it because my wife listens to podcasts. and she saw the number. <laughs> She'd, she would be looking for a new job. <laughs> she, so, well, she did. She made me fire her the other day, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, she would. Uh, she would be shocked. It is. It, it is a significant number. If but, if yeah. people
0: want to know more about this subject, I can hardly recommend because I wrote the damn thing. I can recommend my twenty thousand word article, series of articles on this called "Faking It" on Byte Biz. I did. I did spend an inordinate amount of time researching this and and working out which which Chinese frames sorry
2: what's the name of the article
0: uh it's uh, a bunch it'll be in the show notes but it's um it's the whole series it's a series of articles it's called faking it and it was it's a, There's a kindle document there's a word document you can read it on the web i, I made it available in netflix style all available wow. at the same time in 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 the the same the same package so it's uh, it's a big one so i will put the the link to that in in the show notes now we do have to um stop for a break right now but we will be back very shortly after the robot voice of david takes us into our show sponsor take it away david
1: well thank you Carlton and hello everybody sorry to break in but I just wanted to take a few moments to remind you of our show sponsor and that is Jensen USA at jensenusa.com/ the spokesman now Jensen USA is where you can get everything that you're looking for for your cycling lifestyle whether it's a complete bike, a component, some apparel, shoes, tools, something for nutrition, you will be able to find it all at Jensen USA. And you will be able to find a huge selection of products at unbelievable prices with unparalleled customer service because that's what Jensen USA is all about. Jensen USA was founded by cyclists for cyclists. And when you call them and you have a question, you talk to one of their gear advisors, you will be speaking with a cyclist, which means you know that you'll be getting the right product for exactly the application you are looking to fill go ahead and check them out that's jensen usa j e n s o n usa.com slash the spokesman we are extremely appreciative of Jensen USA for their longtime support of the spokesman and we are also appreciative of you for your support of Jensen USA if you haven't checked them out before, Go do it right now. That's JensenUSA.com slash The Spokesman. Thanks so much for their support, for your support, and thanks for allowing me to break into the show. Now, back to the Carlton and The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast.
0: Thank you, David. And we are back with show 171 of The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast with me and Richard Wittenberg and some guy called Jim, Jim Moss. Now, uh both the those those people i've just uh, mentioned there were at interbike i wasn't at interbike this year so we did discuss interbike in the show before last because it was september 20th i think when it finished however i have just done a story on bike Biz about uh, the post-mortem from pat Huss, the show director Now so that was kind a of-
3: very bad bad choice of words about something in, San- in las vegas this is I mean, very I, I, true I, I'm, I'm sorry i mean it's just a terrible terrible thing that happened this week and
0: that is a good actually,
3: point and we were right there and and so many people have been so traumatically affected by this it, it's
0: no, well, let's d- the, describe t- why that might be the case in that there's there's something else here it's like mandalay bay is where interbike is held yeah so let's let's discuss yep. that
3: right so um so Mandalay Bay has been the home now for, Jim, how many years? I've lost track. Five. 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 And, you know, Mandalay Bay is not exactly in the center of the strip. It's mm. toward one mm. end. Mm. And, um, yes. and and, and as we were there all setting up, you could see them setting up the stage for the event, mm. uh, for, for the concert. And it was, oh, what's coming in? And they, they were a series of concerts. And it was all in an effort from Las Vegas to help build tourism beyond just gambling. And everybody was quite excited. And we had, a at at some of our cocktail parties, we had one of a a, a local uh, bar owner, and and he was saying, yeah, you know, it's really nice. Las Vegas is really filling up again. We've got all these other events. We're bringing people in. Hmm. NASCAR races, you know, all these other things. And, you know, then this happens. But to get to the locale, so the Mandalay Bay... Um, from the actual hotel, everything is in Vegas style, so things are in miles, not in feet. Uh, you know, it, it, was, it, it was a long 30-minute, 20- to 30-minute walk from the Middle Bay to where that concert was. And for somebody to fire something from that far away, I mean, I, I don't even know how people think about something like this how do they even concoct, you know, a plan and, and just, just a, a terrible, terrible strategy.
0: Okay. So. I, I accept that that was, that was probably not the, the, the phrase to use given the fact that, uh, Mandalay Bay, <laughs> uh, was where, uh, America's deadliest mass shooting or of modern mm-hmm. times took place. So apologies for that. So deadliest least eight to date. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to go there. Um, so Interbike has finished. Uh, Inter- I don't think that the, the industry's really dwelled on the Mandalay Bay aspect of where the show was because they are going to a new location. So let's just, let's just bring it back. I know how awful it is that uh, that, that uh, episode took place in the same location as Interbike. But Interbike was before that. The show director has talked about how the show was smaller than in previous years, but was in effect saying that ain't Interbike's fault, it's the industry's fault. So the industry to outsiders is booming, to insiders it's actually not booming. So what what Pat who's had to, to say about the, the Malays. Of interbike was was that uh, true, Jim? Was it? Was he not even stating it, it the, the full depth of the malaise? Well, where did you see his statement coming from?
2: Uh, Drug induced. Um, I, I have no idea. What, I mean, I have I, I read the headline and started laughing so loud I didn't read the rest. Um, the bike industry may be having some bumps right now, but it is much, much better, much, much better than Interbike was. <laughs> Interbike was, at best, a reunion of old um, high school chums 50 years later. Everybody got to talk to each other in the aisleways. Um I spent two days looking for something new to talk about or write about or do whatever. I talked to a lot of old friends and a lot of new friends and didn't see much that was neat, new, exciting, whatever. Uh, there was stuff there. Don't get me wrong. There was stuff there. It's just I didn't find it. Normally, I can find five or six new things. Mm. Um, it was a disaster, in my opinion. And And you cannot solve the problem of interbike by putting in a new um, seating area and saying, this is the rep lounge, or this is the, the uh, retailer lounge, or this is the lounge for people who fell off at the demo. You, you can't... <laughs> First day of the demo, uh, for, for decades, for a long time, uh, Park Tools had handed out water when you got off the bus to go to the demo and handed out water when you climbed back on the bus to go home, and there was always water available. In the first day, people were thirsty because there was not enough exhibitors handing out water. It was hot, dusty, and dry. Thank heavens most of the people were done by noon because it wasn't that big of a demo. But there, it was so small, and it wasn't until the second day that I saw Interbike actually handing out water to people because so many of us had tweeted about it. It was a real problem. People were having you know, dehydration issues. And yet you could walk the entire demo in well, if you went slow, fifteen, twenty minutes, um, <laughs> it, it, it was sad, and it's and, sure. And there, there are parts of the bike industry that are facing that, but there's some other issues. There are a lot of retailers who, over the last twenty years, have been leaving because they didn't see a good investment. You know, they didn't they didn't see why they should spend their money there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of exhibitors who don't see why they should spend the money to go, that my local bike shop sent two people to to the trade show. They flew in in the morning and flew home that night. I mean, just in and out. That was it. Um, I went to a different trade show, Paddle Sports Retailer. It was not run by the company, Emerald Expositions, that owns Interbike and Outdoor Retailer. And... There were people who said they hadn't been to a trade show in 20 years, if ever. And the number one reason they said that was because of the timing. They couldn't leave their bike shops, their, their paddle shops, whatever it was, when the shows were being held, because they were going to go bankrupt if they did. Mm. Um, mm. You know, there is a serious disconnect between the people putting the show on and the people who are the real customers of the show, the retailers.
3: And when I mean, Jim, and and you you said it and and get back on the soapbox, give us a trade show in a warm climate in February. So bike shops in the northeast have a reason to get the hell out of Dodge, go somewhere warm and they will come. You bet. They they want a deductible
0: vacation. But doesn't that just say we'll see Otter?
3: Exactly, well, yeah, but that's not but that's in that. that's later, right? I mean, it, I'm talking cute. about February. They're already starting to gear up and they're already starting to, mm. you know, ramp sales in January, February. Nothing is going on in the Northeast. Mm. Uh, it's still quite um, And, and quite
2: The retailers and the manufacturers, the exhibitors both don't want to try and say. I'm a, I'm a retailer. I need this price list. I'm a, hey, well, that's a neat new bike. What color is it? What's it do for, for the consumer? There are two different worlds. I mean, the exhibitors have to deal with both of them, and they do. But it's very, you know, when, when the consumer day was canceled at Outdoor Retailer, finally, the last year it was there, I had one of my friends slash clients just unload because he made a 20-minute pitch to somebody he hadn't been able to see the badge. people, the consumers were turning their badges around, handed him the the retailer price sheets. And when the guy walked away, he realized he was a consumer. And so his his pricing information was now in the wrong hands. You know, you, there are two different groups of people that are affected by a, a trade show. One of the people who write the checks, the exhibitors, and one of the people who go are the groups of people who go there. To make their business successful, the retailers. And listening to both of them seems to be impossible for a lot of trade show companies. They listen to the people who write the checks who say, we need the shows earlier and earlier and earlier. And the retailers are going, not going. I can't leave in the middle of my season to do anything. I mean, Denver, Colorado, we're going to get snow tomorrow. Okay, it's going to start snowing tonight. We're supposed to have eight inches of snow tomorrow. I was in my bike shop on Thursday, and they still had the bike stuff out. They switched to quasi bike ski in the winter time, but they were still fixing bikes, repairing bikes, selling bikes. It's not yet bike or snow season, even though we're going to get snow in Colorado. Colorado's a big bike state, you know, and yet the, sh- the exhibit they wanted to see occurred, you know, two weeks earlier. Um, They couldn't. Carl, Carl, the other
3: element of this that that you were throwing out there that, you know, I think you have a particularly uh, unique um, vantage point on is the down market. And I sort of look at it and go, you know, yeah, there's no doubt it's down but i don't think it's as down as what everybody's saying and i think you know they're used to gathering data a certain way mm. and that data captures old distribution methods and models from you know existing um component suppliers so okay you, you know you used to be able to say with shimano you could say OK, if Shimano was up, the industry was up. If Shimano was down, the industry was down. And yeah, Shimano's down. But, you know, SRAM has, has taken uh, a significant amount of the market from them in certain segments. So is that market shift? If you look at NPD data that uh, is furnished in the United States that is supposed to be an indicator of, of the health of the IBD. Well, yeah, it's the health of the independent bike dealer. But they're not capturing the fact that people are buying from people like our sponsor, Jensen, and they're not capturing the information uh, of what's going on at Amazon or other online merchants. And the fact is, is that, yes, all you can say is that the conventional distribution model is down. But I don't think it's as down as anybody's. The overall market's not down the same way because of all of these other options
0: do, do so, you have any so the pie sort of about that? The, well the pie oh, is being it. split more ways so yeah. it's a it's and, potentially and do, even a bigger pie but there are more more slices to be cut from that pie yeah, yeah exactly uh, i'm not so
2: sure, sure it's being split more ways because we're losing retailers um you know I, I think it's being split different ways for sure and, and I, I, I you know, and you mentioned SRAM, I walked into my local bike shop, and a wall that used to have all Shimano stuff on it, now is all red. And I stood there for five minutes going, wow, this is new and exciting. Um, I mean, there, there, was, there was only four walls, and one of them was gone and didn't have any blue on it anymore. So,
0: quite I, interesting. I don't think there's any real controversy by saying that traditional bike shops, if if that's the way you want to talk about them, Richard are in many cases suffering right now mm-hmm. um uh, partly even because of uh, of companies like our, our our show sponsor in that the internet has taken uh, a big chunk of the business away from from mom and pop stores so me as a trade mag my 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 current job title is editor at large so my job title of, of being the editor of large, at large of a, of a trade magazine, I have to write an editorial every month. And it's kind of tough to write editorials that don't look at the current malaise in the marketplace. But if I just talked about the malaise in the marketplace, then people would be, be cutting their wrists uh, if that's all you talked about. So you have got to somehow look at positives too. So my current editorial, which comes out next month, talks about the the down market, in effect, that, that uh, Pat Hoos was talking about, uh, but then brings in the dockless bikes. So whereas we think that there's less demand out there for bikes, that's why it's a down market. But then you look to China and then you look to all the dockless bikes that are now coming into, into D.C., into all sorts of different places in America and into the U.K., and the demand apparently is massive and brand new so if the demand is there for dockless bikes we know that perhaps 20 to 25% of people who try bike share bikes dockless bikes or or docked actually end up going out and buying bikes so the light at the end of the tunnel or the 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 silver lining if you want is there clearly is demand out there for bikes it's just it's it's perhaps so disparate it's tough to actually go and get that demand because it's just mm-hmm. it's just it's just it's now multi-channel and all the the, the favorite phrase is omnichannel so this is that mm-hmm. that pie is now so much bigger and multifaceted if a pie can be multifaceted
2: yep yeah, I went for a r- r- ride yesterday I hadn't ridden in a couple weeks because of everything and I, I went so I went on a normal bike path that I, it's easy to ride no traffic I don't have to worry about anything I just enjoy the ride and get back into the to the mode of riding and there was there were people everywhere and mostly on bikes um, and I got to thinking grinning as I'm riding that, An October ride five years ago, I might have seen two other serious cyclists out, and that was it. And I got passed by a dozen serious cyclists, uh, three people on tri-bikes. I I passed um, a dozen people who obviously were out for the first time in a while. They were on cruisers or comfort bikes. Uh, And I rode around and with. I mean, there there was just a hundred more cyclists than had ever been there five years ago. Mm. Uh, Either the sport is growing because people are finding things in the garage and shining them up really well or somebody's buying bikes once in a while. Um, I mean, there were three tri-bikes and those aren't, you know, those are expensive bicycles. And normally, normally you see a tri-bike, you would go, wow, look at that. I wonder what kind of make and model it is. And nowadays when they pass me, I don't even care. Um, Oh, I care, but especially since one of the guys
0: who's almost my size. he's so still casting me. Darn it. Um, <laughs> on a tri-bike. Okay. On a tri-bike. Let's, 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 we're going to wrap up very shortly, but let's just, because um, uh, we've, we've been recording for more than an hour now. Uh, so let's just go on to one final topic. And that is, it's, it's either funny or incredibly upsetting with, depending on your point of view. And that is uh, Our Lady of Chiswick, Our Lady of Grace of Chiswick is a Catholic church. Uh, and the, the, in London. And, in its wisdom, uh, it has decided that the priest of that church has decided and has said that um, the cycleway that's being planned to go outside this church is doing more damage. Potentially, will do more damage to the the, the community, the Christian community that uses that church, than the Luftwaffe. In other words. Uh, cycleways are the work of the the devil. So do we agree that cycleways are the work of the devil, Richard?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think I look at it and go, what is the motivation to make somebody think that way? Mm. I mean, it's, it's like the people that drive by you who you haven't impacted at all. It's a two lane road. It's a four lane road for two and both directions you're on the, the corner all they had to do was go around you there was no difficulty of it and why do they have to yell and scream at you you yeah. know I I, I I it's the same concept it's you know what what is what is driving this hatred and anger towards you mm. and and, and that, that that's what it sounds like to me the way you, you've you've put forward the story i mean where's the what's the bias what's what's causing this what well, what what did he cite as a reason uh
0: the so fact I, that they won't be able to get uh brides to their wedding they won't be able to carry out funerals but all of this is but that's the same for the it's a four-lane highway this is next to it It's exactly the same for you, you can't get a funeral uh, uh there at the moment in fact there's, there's all this traffic there so it, it comes down to yeah you're right richard the hatred against cycling however i will say on their behalf is they are taking space away from pedestrians they're not taking space away from motorists so that's the annoying thing is that they're pitting pedestrians and cyclists against each other whereas they should have been doing it against against motorists so so actually reducing speeds uh reducing this the the available space for motorists and then carve out the space for the other modes would have been far better so that there is there's nothing for what this priest is saying is correct, but it's the fact that uh, two active travel groups are being pitched against each other, which isn't fantastic.
2: You know, I, I would think that they would be all in favor of this, because I am the most religious in my entire life a lot of times when I'm on the bike. Oh, dear God, <laughs> let me not get hit. Oh, heavens, I hope I wake up after this crash. Oh, Lord, help me get home. Um in all honesty, they should put in a bike parking, and they could probably fill up the pews some days. On you know, you no, know, I need someplace to hide from the rain. Nothing else.
0: Well, I, I like I like the fact that some people have been using uh, the, the religion actually as part of the argument, in that they're pointing out that the Pope, in his encyclical Laudato Si', actually said people should be getting uh, out of their cars. And so I, I like the fact when they use actual uh, scripture, in effect, to to, to argue against uh, the priest there. That was quite cute. Um, that That is going to be today's show, I'm afraid. Uh, we have ran out of time, but let me thank uh, Jim and Richard for being with us today. And the next show will be in a couple of weeks' time. I will put all of the things that we've discussed today in show notes, which of course is at the-spokesman.com. So that's where the the, the show resides when it's not on iTunes, etc. There is a physical web space for it, and that's where you can actually find all of the links that we've talked about today. So in two weeks we will have a whole bunch of guests and we will discuss cycling again. But in the meantime, get out there and ride.